Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today. If you're brand new here, I talk about all the great things from the 80s. The music, the movies, the cartoons, the TV shows, and the toys. And this is a genuine lost episode. So this is about the uh, Tomy Omnibot, and I recorded this more than a year ago. And it was a little too short when I recorded it, and then I thought I would put it together with a different uh, topic on uh, another toy and combine them into sort of like a two-part episode. For whatever reason, I forgot all about it, and it just sort of remained buried on my hard drive until I got a new laptop. I was switching some things over from my stored drive to my actual heart, whatever, and came across this episode that I totally forgot I had recorded. So it is a genuine lost episode. So I went back, kind of re-edited it, remastered it a little bit, tried to get it sounding as good as possible, and thought I would release it here today. And this was a toy I wanted more than life itself when it came out. If you remember the Tomy Omnibot, the 5402 or the 5402 specifically, looked like a little kind of R2-D2. You remember it carried the tray around. You could program it to do different commands. It was like having a robot butler. Yeah, I was obsessed with these things. Of course, never got it because they cost a fortune. And I knew better than to even ask for something like this at Christmas or birthdays, it, sort of in that category as the G.I. Joe USS flag. It's never going to happen. And I was smart enough to realize not to ask for something like that. So this will be a look back at this lost episode about the Tomy Omnibot. So I will hand it over to past me. Today on the Everything 80s podcast, the story of the Tomy Omnibot 5402. From just beyond your imagination comes Omnibot, the fully programmable robot with a memory. Omnibot, he walks, he talks. Hi, cutie. Amaze your friends. Wow. Intense. Refreshments, earth-type snacks. Impress your teacher. Impress your girlfriend. Omnibot, there's romance. Take my heart. He's the lean, mean, pop and break and music machine. Yes, it's Omnibot, the fully programmable robot, available now in your neighborhood. We loved anything to do with robots in the 80s, and there was a specific one that was designed to be used in your home. The Tomy Omnibot 5402 was a toy robot that could be programmed and follow commands. It was released in 1984 as the flagship robot from a series of robots that would be released by Tomy. So the 80s were this golden age of sort of robot assistance, and we had access to a ton of them. There's as many as our hearts desired, from Transformers to GoBots to Johnny Five to R2-D2. It was like we were living in a toy robot utopia. And I've covered some episodes all about the GoBots specifically and the Transformers if you want to go back and listen to those. I wanted to tell me Omnibot more than life itself. It seemed like this was more than a toy and would exist as a genuine robot companion. It was like my buddy or my pet monster, but in robot form. From my perspective and epic commercials like we just played, the Omnibot seemed like it could exist almost like a pet and that it truly had its own artificial intelligence. 
These things were not cheap, however. So any dreams of having a robot best friend went down the drain faster than the batteries would run out. So let's look back at the Tomy Omnibot 5402. So in case you don't remember these, what was an Omnibot? We're looking specifically this episode about the 5402. And it's the ones shown in the pictures and in the commercials that anytime the Tomy Omnibots of the 80s are brought up. The one that kind of looks like a little trash can. The Omnibot robot family included a bunch of different versions, including Omnibot 2000, Omnibot MK2, Robbie Sr., Omni Jr., Verbot, Dingbot, Hootbot, and Flipbot. Honestly, there were more of these toys than I realized even existed. This was the prime age of Radio Shack, and you had enough toy robots available to, you know, choke a trash compactor. We're still looking at an age where tech-related things were kept more to nerd culture and didn't have a lot of mainstream appeal. Now, of course, anything connected with nerd or geek culture has become part of the popular zeitgeist, and all the things, again, that were traditionally nerd culture are billion-dollar industries. The Omnibot 54-2 was the attempt at crossing over into the bigger toy market and making robots something that could be enjoyed by all. And just again to point out, one of the funniest and like dorkiest commercials of the 80s we just played. And if you go on YouTube, you can look up a few different ones of these. They wanted to let you know, and they really pushed it, that this wasn't for tech geeks. This was more like a novelty. I love how in the commercial they point out that it's like this pop locking like b-boy dancer trying to capitalize on all things hip-hop and whatever was cool in the 80s and that wasn't relegated to necessarily like tech geeks like we mentioned. The robot had a remote control function, but it also had a ton of other features including a cassette deck and the ability for it to perform various chores and services. This was no protocol droid, mind you, and what you had was basically a slower remote control car. But it was an object that definitely was unique. And I think it's worth looking at the Tomy Toy Company because it's pretty interesting in itself and how this thing came to be. Tomy was the company behind the Omnibot. It exists today as Tomy Company Limited, just straight up. And it's a combination of the original Tomy and longtime rival Takara. They are based in Japan, where there they are known as Takara Tomy. But these companies have a long history. Takara goes back to 1955. And even though many of their toys would be branded as Hasbro in North America, they are responsible, if you know your toy history, for bringing us Micromen, which would lead to the Transformers that, you know, led to Battle Beasts, Beyblades, things like that. Tomy itself goes back to 1924. And when they merged with Takara in 2006, they brought us things also huge um, properties like Pokemon, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine, the Game of Life, and they sell Hasbro products in Japan such as Jenga, Play-Doh, Monopoly, My Little Pony. When Tomy first started, they were making toy airplanes, and in the 60s, they got big into producing B-52 bomber toys after World War II. In the 60s, they started opening offices in New York to make more inroads worldwide, and then they were getting on board with more toy robots, like this is a throwback if you remember the Tumble robot. 
The 70s brought us Micromen, which, as I mentioned, would pave the way for Transformers. And then they moved their production to Singapore. They would then hit their 50th anniversary in 1974. In the 80s, they would then bring us more toy robots, such as, of course, the Transformers, then the Omnibot. They would also continue into the 90s, where they also, besides the massive Pokemon industry, they brought us another one of the biggest toys of all time, Furby. Okay, so how did this little bad boy work? As I mentioned, I've never owned a Tomy Omnibot, and I wouldn't dare ever ask for one, as I knew how expensive they were. The only one I ever saw was a cousin of mine who had an older one, or I passed on from someone else or whatever. Basically, it was broken. It didn't function. The remote control didn't work. That was as close as I ever got to one, besides longingly staring at one on the shelf in a Toys R Us. But like its big brother Soundwave, the Omnibot had a cassette tape player built right into its chest. The cassette could slide out of its chest, and you could record and play back a bunch of different sequences of commands. You could also make regular audio recordings to bring some human life to this artificial intelligence. There was also a built-in digital clock with timers and different alarms, and this allowed the Omnibot to perform specific movements and recordings at specific times. The next big thing was that the Omnibot was able to broadcast speech from the remote control handset. Uh, It had this sort of built-in wireless system, and it had a broadcast speaker on it, so you could, you know, talk through this robot, basically. Last but not least, the Omnibot had some claws that allowed it to carry a specifically designed tray that let it hold items and the idea is that it was like this robot butler carrying around beverages. It also made me think of in the movie Wall Street when they go to Gordon Gecko's house on Long Island and there is the robot butler walking around serving drinks. Also reminds me of, the, of R2-D2 serving drinks at Jabba the Hutt's barge in the Empire Strikes Back. Um, so this was, you know, the functionality design that this thing had these claws that it could carry things. Sort of like it's, um, I guess it's robot cousin, uh, the Nintendo Rob had the same thing. It had these little claw things that would help it, you know, perform the movements that could use the remote control that could play the video games with you on the original NES. That's a whole other interesting story. The Omnibot 5402 took some programming to get set up. But honestly, looking back at this thing, it had some pretty cool features and some really good technology, especially in an age where most new tech pieces, you know, were the size of a Volkswagen. Tech was not small yet at this point in the 80s. And the fact that they sort of stuffed in all these different advancements and and technology into this relatively small little robot was pretty impressive. So what did you get when you bought a Tomy Omnibot 5402? So here's some of the, the quick rundown on the specs with this little robot. So you had the RC remote control, the detachable tray, which could hold up to 2.2 pounds or one large burrito, I guess. It had a demonstration cassette tape. It had a battery charger, a home base, a tuner, and he measured in at one foot tall. The home base was a cardboard type thing that you were to tape to the floor. And this was actually important because it was used as a reference point for doing the programming. 
And yeah, there was some setup required with this whole robot. It wasn't, you know, a straight plug and play type thing. It wasn't, uh, again, the limitations on the technology didn't allow it just to be right out of the box and it's immediately walking around serving drinks and, you know, chasing your dog and, you know, talking to your parents and, you know, pretending while you're in the other room and all that. That was the impression I always got with this robot. It was that you open the box and this thing just came flying out like it was Wally ready to serve you. It was the farthest thing from the truth. And it took a lot of actual specific programming. And it's same thing with the Nintendo Rob, if you ever got to play with one of those. You didn't, again, just you didn't just take it out of the box, plug it in, and off you go. It took actual calibration, and it took programming. And you had to, in the case of the Nintendo Rob, had to sort of synchronize it with your TV. It had to understand, like, the direction of where the light was coming from and how that would influence the movements and the programming. And that was one of the downsides of the Nintendo Rob is it wasn't all that um, sort of responsive and wasn't that, you know, very fluid with the movements and it would often have to be reset. That was one of the other problems with the Omnibot is it might have to be reprogrammed and it could easily like lose its signal and the transistor might not pick up the right um, spot, you know, not just from the fact that it might have been too far out of range, the whole thing could become sort of uncalibrated and then it would have to be reprogrammed again. And that's why it was so important you didn't throw out the packaging because that was actually instrumental to the functioning of this little toy that you had to, you know, set up this home base so that you could easily resync it in case it sort of lost its mind and all its programming. The Omnibot also ran on uh, 5.5 volts and you could get around four hours of usage from this little toy. Again, the more I look back on this thing, it was quite ahead of its time now that I realize. And again, I don't know if it's classified as a toy, as technology, as a specific robot, as a remote control car. Maybe it's all of these things combined. And I think, again, it was a little bit ahead of its time, but this was an age when robots were super popular. So, of course, they would bring it out. If you brought this thing out in like 1993, I'd you know, even if the technology was more improved, I don't know if it would have the same impact as sort of our fascination with robots in the mid to early 80s. But it was, I guess, you know, a product of its time. It embraced the popularity of advancing technology. Everything was getting better. You know, we had our own home video cameras that you could actually carry around that didn't need like a bus to transport them. We had portable music players, little Walkmans that you could actually clip onto your um, belt and you know our technology was slowly starting to shrink they look monstrous like like monstrosities compared to today but you know if you remember this time period if you grew up then technology was getting really exciting and again i think with this advancing technology and as i mentioned the fascination with all things robot robots it was kind of the perfect time and the perfect combination into what was really a very creative toy i know i sure wanted one but as I mentioned, I would not dare ask one for one because these things were not cheap. When I was a kid during this time period, I didn't know exactly how much they cost. But again, I knew I'd be out of my mind to ask for one. It turns out the original retail price was, it sounds like my best price is right voice. The original price was around 250 US dollars, which today that's a big ask for a toy. 
If you adjust that for inflation, you're looking at around $600. I was very right not to ask for this thing, and that's a lot more than I expected. But despite the hefty price tag, I actually think you got quite a bit for your money here. This was a serious toy and wasn't even specifically intended for kids. I think they were looking for sort of uh, families that the dad might use it more. I mean, college students wouldn't be able to afford this thing. I think it was maybe meant for older teenagers or, you know, ages 14 and up who would like save up a lot of money for this or a family who had decent means that could afford it for their eight-year-old kid, me not being one of them. So again, it was kind of this weird no man's land, like who exactly was this thing for because of the expensive price tag? And I think it ultimately appealed more to say young professional like guys who you know might have been out of college might have been in their first job still sort of living that sort of frat life but had a little more disposable income and now they see oh wow this awesome little toy robot but again then the commercials really promoted it for kids so again 600 bucks is a big ask but as i mentioned for the price i think you got a lot of functionality and at the very least you had a cool remote control robot. I think ultimately winding this down, the Omnibot was a short-lived moderate hit, but they still pop up today and you can find a used one on eBay for around $100 to $300. Either way, the Omnibot 5402 is one of those toys that you might have forgotten about, but when you see it, you're immediately taken back to that time period in the 80s. Okay, thank you past me. This is current me now talking, and I'm taking over from the show here. So that was my old recording on the Tommy Omnibot. And as I was like, you know, sort of re-editing the show and putting this whole thing back together and, you know, changing the, the mastering and the levels and everything like that, I, I think, again, it, it is one of those... Uh, staple toys from the 80s you know as, as we think about all the big toys and the big names and the big brands but it's sometimes like these little toys like the omnibot they're the ones that define the 80s a little bit more because whereas you know big toys like your usual gi joes and your transformers and all that stuff they survived out of the decade they went on to even bigger and better things and they're still around today whereas toys like the omnibot that was like a one-hit wonder. It had a short little window where it was popular. And I think these are the things, again, that define the decade a little bit better than the big mainstream super popular toys. So hopefully you found this show interesting. So I'll finish it off here. And I just want to finish. You can turn us off if you have to take off or do anything. I just want to talk quickly about ways to support this show if you're in a situation to do so. And that is through patreon.com. And this is a platform where you are able to support small, like independent shows like this for as little as like a few bucks a month, but you get different rewards, audio rewards based on the tier you, you know, support. So example, one of the middle tiers, the Boba Fett level, which is only five bucks a month, you get access to the Everything 80s Movie Club, where I review the good, the bad, and the ugly of 1980s movies. And then the higher level tiers, you get shout outs on the show. You get the ability to have little bios about yourself. You get to suggest future episodes. And Patreon is where 
small shows like this are able to stand out amongst all the big podcast noise. As great as podcasts are, the whole industry is like grown huge, which is good, but it's been taken over by celebrities, corporations, huge podcast networks. So it makes it tougher for like smaller shows like this to stand out. Patreon is the way to sort of level the playing field. And there are a few shows that I support because I love the creators and I love what they're doing and, you know, just want to give back in that way. So if you're in a position to do so, awesome. If not, even no problem there either. If you want to learn more, you can go to patreon.com slash 80s, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash 80S. You can see the different tiers, what it's all about. So that's it. That's it for me. If you want to link to that, there should be one wherever you're listening, whatever podcast app. If you go in the show notes, you'll see a link that'll take you there. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show. Again, I know there's so many shows out there. The fact that you're here listening to this one means a ton. So that's it. I will see you soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.